0: express in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from ourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
1: I'll grab that in a sec. Um, Oh, I'll leave this up here. We're just going to watch a quick video now uh, and then Dan's going to come up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, how hectic. How's the little dude with the nunchucks? Incredible. So good. Uh, humans, humans are massively impressive, aren't they? We can do some pretty amazing things when we put our minds to it. Um, can you imagine how much practice would have gone into uh, wielding nunchucks like that and not doing a Dan Ford and smashing all your front teeth? <laughs> Or how much practice that chick has done with a whip in order to whip out one single little Jenga block? Obviously, there were some flukes, like the final, that, that lobbing the basketball at halfway. But so much practice would have gone into so much of that stuff. Um, the Jenga blocks gets me, I, oh, so crazy. How good is she with the whip? Like, like a boss. Humans are pretty amazing at stuff. And when we put our minds to it, there, it seems like there's almost nothing we can't overcome. Do you know, we, we put a man on the moon six decades before we had the internet, isn't that crazy? Humans are incredible, but there is one massive challenge that we cannot overcome, sin. What we heard last night, sin has got us beat. Humans have pretty much tried everything, we've practiced, as, you know, everything we can to try and beat sin, We've we've tried all we can, we've tried following the rules, but that doesn't stop the fact that we're still sinful, so we just keep giving in to our sin. We've tried being religious. You know, it's weird that in Australia, lots of people aren't religious. Most people on the world are religious, and they practice, like, laws and rituals, and they don't eat certain foods, but none of that stops, can't, can't overcome the fact that you're still a sinner. None of that stuff works at all. It doesn't, nothing we do, nothing we try can overcome or beat the fact that you and I are all utterly, totally sinful. We've rebelled against God, we've broken His holy laws and now every single one of us stands before God, justly deserving His punishment. What we deserve is to be punished forever. And so, what is the answer? How can we overcome sin? How can we beat sin? How can we beat this challenge? Well, I hope you really want to know the answer, I hope after last night's talk, someone called it a cliffhanger, I hope you're feeling like, I need to know the answer to this question, Uh, because this is a massive problem and I know that there are some people in this room who haven't been forgiven for their sin, which means that where you currently stand, Is ready to cop the punishment for your sin from God. And so, what is the answer? How can sinners like you and me overcome this sin problem? Well, that's what we're going to wrestle with tonight and here's the first part of the answer, how can we overcome sin? First thing, you can't. You need to be rescued by God's grace like someone who's stuck by themselves alone in the middle of the ocean and drowning, what do they need? The only thing they need is to be rescued, that's us, and we're going to dig into this together from Ephesians chapter 2. Have a look with me at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and listen to how utterly hopeless our situation is, you've got to hear the bad news before we hear the good news, got to go into the darkness before we hear the light, hear our situation again, verse 1, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Sin has got us totally beat. It's got us so totally beat that it's as if we are dead in our sins. Now, let me ask you this um, Would you ever ask a dead person to do anything for you? Would you ask a dead person? to practice using a whip until they can whip out a single Jenga block from a thing. Some of you are going to put your hand up because you're silly, but no, you would never do that. Dead people can't do stuff. Dead people can't do anything, they can't overcome any challenge whatsoever. And so, how could people who are dead in their sin ever beat their sin? There is no way they could do that. The only thing people who are dead in sin can do is just keep being dead in sin have a look at verse 3 with me now. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. All people dead in sin could do is gratify our sinful passions and cravings and thoughts. That's all we can do. We can, all we can do is just keep being a dead in sin person. And so, what we need We need to be rescued. What we need is God to step in and rescue us, and that's exactly what He does. Have a look at verse 4, but because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins. This is what we've been saying has been coming this last day. This is the best news in the world. It's the fact that although we're dead in our sins, God is gracious to us and steps in and rescues us, showing us grace and mercy. And I want to focus on those two words together with us, grace and mercy. Do you see them there? They're in verse 4 and 5. Verse 4, because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, verse 5 He made us alive, even when we're dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Mercy and grace. Let me explain these words to you, and to do this, I'm going to need a volunteer. Yep, Sam, you're sitting nice and close, and I know your name. All right, now, we're going to play a little game, and by doing this, I'm going to show you guys what um, mercy and grace is. Now, this game is called Slap for Slap. But on the street, everybody knows that it's called Will Smith versus Will Smith. All right. So the way this game works is um, you're going to slap me, and then I'm going to slap you, and we're just going to keep going until one of us is crying, all right? You ready for this? Are you happy you volunteered? You get to start. That's, there's a little bit of kindness to it. You. you get to start. OK, you can't slap me on this side, because there's a microphone in my face, and you'll break it. It's probably expensive and also I have broken teeth, so you can't slap me too hard in the teeth either. <laughs> Is it too much peer pressure to press him on? You have to do it, sorry, buddy. All right, right here. Oh. Okay, does everybody remember the rules of the game? All right, ready? The rules of the game stipulate that I can slap him back. Ready? I'm not gonna do it, sit down, buddy. No, 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 actually, stay up, stay up. Now that's... <laughs> now we're going to play kick in the groin for kick in the groin. <laughs> no, no, we're, defi- we're definitely not doing that, I'm definitely not going first. Um, no, what I did, I just showed Sam mercy, because the rules of Will Smith versus Will Smith stipulate that I could have slapped him back, but I'm not going to give him what he deserves. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm going to show him mercy. Now, that's what mercy is. Everybody got Mercy not giving someone the bad thing that they deserve. What did I say? Not giving the bad thing someone deserves. Wow, very close. All right, now, that's mercy, but God, in verse 5, it's by grace that He saves us. So, grace is something even better than mercy. Now, I have a can of Coke here. Have you done anything good toward me today to earn this can of Coke? You certainly haven't, but you can have that, my friend, sit down. Alright, now that is grace. Someone who has slapped, literally slapped me in the face, <laughs> but I give him something good that he has definitely not earned. That's what grace is. That's why so many people, we've got grace, yeah, MC, that's why so many people are called grace, because grace is, is the most beautiful thing that you could think of. It's giving somebody a good thing, even though they don't deserve it. What have I, what have I called it? It's undeserved generosity, it's unearned kindness and favour, mercy and grace. This is what God has done for us. We have been those who have utterly rebelled against our Creator. We should have we should have known Him, we should have worshipped and served Him, do you remember? But what have we done? We've rebelled against who He is, we've rebelled against worshipping, we've rebelled against serving Him, we don't love Him, someone's going to be very alert tonight in the talk. Um, That's who we've been and what God has been toward us is gracious. Verse 4 and 5, because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is, the, this is the biggest challenge humanity's ever overcome, and we didn't do anything about it. We did nothing to contribute to this. This is our, the overcoming of humanity's biggest threat, and we did nothing. Our sin is forgiven, we now escape the right anger of God toward us, we get made alive even though we were dead, we're now friends with God, we get to be citizens of the Kingdom as we've been hearing in the morning. It's our greatest victory and we did absolutely nothing except only contribute bad stuff toward it. All we did is rebel and God has shown us such undeserved generosity. God does it all now, there's a little wrinkle in all this though, how is it that God could do good towards people who've only done evil stuff? Do you remember yesterday we talked about the corrupt judge who's killed your aunt, the, the, someone's killed your aunt or something and they've, the corrupt judge should have condemned this person but instead goes, nah, yeah, it's alright. How can God do that for guilty people? How can God give you good stuff when you actually don't deserve good stuff? Does that make Him a corrupt judge? Well, here's the thing, God still upholds justice, He still punishes your sin, your sin still gets punished. The crazy thing is though, you don't get punished for it, I don't get punished for my sin, Jesus takes the punishment in our place. Flip back with me one page to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In Him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We have the forgiveness of sins through Jesus' blood. Now, when did Jesus shed His blood? When He died on a cross, bleeding on a cross, paying the punishment, our penalty for sin, taking our punishment in our place. Because when Jesus dies on a cross, it's not just a random dying, like He could have died in His sleep one night or He could have got bitten by a funnel web and He died and it's like, oh, that was a shame He died. He dies a very particular death. He dies bleeding on a cross because God is punishing him for yours and my sin. All of God's just anger is poured out on Jesus instead. Now, this is so important for us to get. I've got a story for us back from back in 1993. Wow, I was alive. Can you believe it? Let me tell you the story of John and Debbie Ford, no relation to me. John and Debbie Ford were driving on their honeymoon in Byron Bay, and they'd been married for 15 days or something like this, and they're swimming together, as you do in Byron Bay, and John sees a massive great white shark swimming toward them, swimming right toward Debbie first. And here's what the the newspaper said about it. The newspaper said, At the last minute, John pushed his wife out of the shark's path and was taken in her place. His heroic gesture, gesture cost him his life, but enthralled the nation as Australia mourned the death of a man they never knew. He was someone who had just walked down the aisle with the woman of his dreams 15 days earlier. John died in the place of the woman he loved. He put his body on the line to rescue her. Now, that's an incredible sacrifice, isn't it? And doesn't that... um, Doesn't that do something in you when you hear someone doing something heroic like that, giving themselves for someone else? Um, that's That's how all good movies end, with the hero heroically laying down their life, and it does something to us because we know that, wow, this is such an incredible display of love to do that, to die for someone that you love. But here's the insane thing about Jesus doing this for us, Jesus didn't die... For a beautiful bride who really loved Him. Jesus died for us when we were rebels, when we were sinners, we were hostile toward Him and He came to die for us. Jesus died in the place of His enemies but God still had such incredible love for us that He loved us when we didn't love Him. And sent His Son to die for us that we might be forgiven. What an incredible act of kindness, an act of grace towards us in Christ, that He would rescue us like this, when we had no hope of doing it ourselves. See, sin is like this thick mud that you're stuck in, and and the rain's coming down and so the mud's getting thicker and slimier and you're sinking and you can't do anything to get out yourself you're stuck in it, and you're entrenched, and you're drowning, but God rescues us out of that. He gives His Son to drown in the mud ourselves, and Jesus pushes us out of the mud. Jesus dives in at the cost of Himself, but He saves us. Now, listen to this, from Romans chapter 6, you don't have to flick there, but listen to this one, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our salvation from sin, it's entirely a gift. It's a gift from God to us. We can't beat sin, but man, God can and God has in Jesus. What an incredible gift. Can you guys still hear me? Yeah, I feel like I need to yell now if you'd be able to hear me, but I guess that's not the case. Yeah, cool, all right. Well i got a question for you, this is a gift that God offers us, He says, I've given My Son for you, He's died so that you could be forgiven, this is a gift. The wages of sin was death but the gift of God is forgiveness. Now, so here's my question for you, how do you receive a gift? When someone offers you a gift, what do you do? Because it's not just like Jesus died on a cross, And now, automatically, everyone in the world is forgiven of their sins, no matter how they treat God or continue to think about Jesus. On Christmas morning, when your parent, you know, picks up one of the presents from the tree, how do you get that gift from them? They hold it out to you and what do you do? You reach out and you take hold of the gift by your hands. Well, God says to us, I've got a gift for you. The forgiveness of your sins. How do you receive that gift? Well, you take hold of it, not with your hands, but by faith. Have a look at verse 8 with me, Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. We receive this gift of, of God through faith, now, I reckon faith is a word that lots of us get wrong, uh, lots of people think faith is just kind of wishful thinking and so, um, uh, you, might, you might hear people talking about, um, how do you think you're going to go in the footy match today? And the guy says, oh, you know, man, we just got to have faith. Have you heard that line before? That's not what the Bible means by faith, just kind of wishful thinking and hoping everything's going to be fine. Faith isn't wishful thinking or a positive attitude, faith just means trust. When you guys all sat down in your chairs tonight, you displayed faith in your chairs. You trusted, you faithed that this chair wasn't going to break and just plop your butt on the ground, you expressed faith in the chair. Let me give you another example, Um, the vaccine during COVID. Now, I don't care if you got the vaccine or not, by the way, just heads up. Um, But, so, lots of people got this vaccine, Um, why did they? Well, because they heard some guy on the screen saying that this was going to be a helpful thing to do and we watched the guy on the screen and we went, well, he's wearing a white lab coat, he's probably trustworthy and so, we had faith in that person and so, we got the vaccine, we trusted in him, we faithed in the government and and whatnot. Now, um, lots of people didn't as well though, why didn't they? Because they heard that guy on the screen chatting and they went, I don't trust this bloke and so, they didn't have faith. What faith is, is trust and so those who did have faith, they reached out and took hold of the vaccine, they took that thing that was on offer. Now, again, I don't care about vaccine, whatever, God offers us all a gift of forgiveness and the way you receive this, this gift of forgiveness is by putting your faith, your trust, in Jesus trusting Him to be the person who rescues you by His death. Just like a a kid at Christmas who gets handed a gift from their parent and they reach out and they take hold of it, well, God says to you, you are a sinner, I'm going to punish you for your sin if you don't believe in My Son and so, trust in My Son, He's died for you. He took the punishment, put your trust in Him to be your rescuer And what we do is, we trust God at His Word, we trust Jesus to be the one who is our rescuer. We reach out and we take this gift by faith. Now, we're going to keep talking about that and there's more to say on it in just a moment, but before we do, there's something else we need to understand about ourselves, which is going to show us why that tonight's talk is called Irresistible Grace. And here it is, so here's kind of Point number two, big point number two, by yourself, you will never put your trust in Jesus. You cannot, you will not, you will always resist this gift that God has on offer. God holds this gift of forgiveness out to you like a present and He says, take hold of this, be forgiven. And left to ourselves, we say, we push it away and we say, no, thank you very much. Now that seems crazy, right? Why would anyone ever push away a gift that's so incredible? Why would anyone not want forgiveness? This seems crazy. Why wouldn't we do that? Because we're sinners. And what do sinners do? What does it mean to sin? It means to rebel. And so, God speaks to us and says, put your trust in My Son so that you might be forgiven and we, We rebel, we say no. That's what we do, because we're sinful to the core, left to ourselves. We'll even rebel against an offer of grace. That's who we are, that's what we're like, this is what we do, we say no to God. Now, listen very carefully to this, guys. Um, People who are dead in sin cannot put their faith in God. We will always, left to ourselves, resist His grace and say, no thank you. You know, you wouldn't expect a dead person to be able to whip out a single Jenga block. Dead people can't do stuff. How should we expect someone who's dead in sin to start trusting Jesus? We are dead in sin, Our sin keeps us away from God, and there's actually lots of language in the Bible that explains this and and puts this before us. Let me give some of this to you. We've seen in verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1, it says we're dead in sin, but the Bible also says that we are blind in our sin, we're unable to see God's goodness towards us, we're deaf through our sin, we're unable to hear God, it's just, it's white noise, it doesn't we're enslaved to sin, we're unable to break free from our rebellion, we're caught in it, we're hard-hearted because of sin, we've got a heart of stone that's hard toward God rather than soft towards God, we are darkness rather than light, we're unable to come to the light when God shines near us. And so, when God does call to sinners and says, turn from your sins, put your faith in My Son and be forgiven, receive this amazing gift, We, by ourselves, we're blind, we're deaf, we're we're dead, we're hard-hearted, we're enslaved, we're in the dark, we're dead and dead people can't respond. We're unable to respond, we won't respond, we will always refuse and resist God's grace. And so, how can sinners like us overcome sin and receive this gift? how can we do it? How can we put our faith in Jesus? The only way we can do it is by God giving us faith, giving us trust in Jesus. This is our third point for tonight, God gives us faith. Have a look at verse 8 again, for it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Now, when he says there, Paul says, this is not from yourselves, it's a gift, what's the gift? Well, obviously, grace is a gift, Um, that's what grace is, but the gift here is the gift of faith. And this, your faith, is not from yourselves, he says. Now, let me try and say this as clearly as I possibly can, and I think for many of you, this will be the thing that is most radically different and new for you tonight. If you have faith in Jesus, God gave you your faith. If you are a Christian, it's because God made you a Christian. Because all of us were dead in our sins... And we needed our sin to be overcome so we could respond rightly to God, but only God can do that. And so, God, in His incredible generosity to us, made us alive spiritually, giving us the gift of faith so that we could trust in Jesus. And this is exactly what verse 4 and 5 says, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. God makes us alive, He gives us faith so that we can respond rightly to Jesus. This is why this is called irresistible grace, because what God does is, He takes people who are blind and deaf and hard-hearted and in the dark, who always resist Him and He overcomes our resistance. He makes those who are dead, alive, and so we no longer run away from God and resist His offer of, of grace to us, we reach out and see it for the incredible gift of grace that it is. He makes us alive again and makes this offer irresistible, like the tastiest burger you've ever seen in your life, that you can't help but just, num, 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 give me that thing. God, He holds out to us, He opens our eyes to the incredible thing this is and we reach out, gladly and joyfully and with heaps of keenness because we see how good it is, this gift that He's offering us. Like the Christmas present held out to you that you can't help but just reach out and take hold of. And so now, having been made alive, we reach out. Guys, you've got to hear this, if you've done that, if you've put your faith in Jesus, God did that. God did that in you, He did that work in you, He made you alive, He overcame your hard heart, He put you, gave you faith so that you could reach out and be forgiven. It's God who saves sinners from the start to the end, it's God through and through. And now, track with me for one more step in logic, see if you can follow me on this. The way God gave you that gift of faith is through the Gospel message. God didn't use a defibrillator thing on you to make you alive so that you could now listen to Him, He did it, He gave you that gift of faith, He made you alive through the preaching or the reading of the Word of God about Jesus. God speaks to us through His Word and He says to you, turn from your sins, put your faith in Jesus, He will save you, you'll be forgiven. And by that very offer, God made us alive so that we could see Him for who He is, and put our faith in Jesus. And there's no better illustration for this than the raising of Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus? We looked at this last term. When Jesus was here physically on earth during his ministry, he had a good friend named Lazarus. And uh there's a, a great tragedy and Jesus' mate died. And uh, it was a it was a huge tragedy. Everybody was sad. His sisters were crying, Jesus was crying, everybody was crying. And they were crying because they thought that there was the sisters were thinking, there's nothing that can be done, He's dead. Jesus, if you had been here, it would have been fine, but you weren't, and now He's dead, and dead people can't do anything. And then Jesus did the unthinkable, the unimaginable. Jesus went over and talked to a dead person. Now, can you talk to a dead person and ask them to play Jenga with you, to use a whip, to play nun- use nunchucks? Dead people can't do stuff, Right? Well, Jesus goes over to dead Lazarus, who's dead and he can't even hear, and this is what Jesus says, Jesus walks over to the tomb and He says, in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And here's what happens next, the dead man came out, his hands and feet still wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. But how could a dead man do that? Dead people can't do stuff. Well, by the very words that Jesus speaks, as He says, Lazarus, come out, those very words God used to give Lazarus the gift of life, and having been made alive again in the tomb, Lazarus can respond to Jesus, he can obey His commandment and he can come out of the tomb. Jesus' words gave Him life, and that's what happens to us if we become Christians. See, your story might not feel as miraculous as the story of Lazarus, the raising of Him, but it actually is. See, let me tell you your story now, if you're someone who trusts in Jesus. So you too were dead, not dead in a tomb, but dead in your sins, dead and unwilling to respond to God, resisting God forever. But God spoke to you, whether it was at youth, whether it was through your parents reading you the Bible, whether it was at Scripture or flip side, but God spoke to you and convicted you saying that, you have sinned and rebelled against me and yet I still have so loved you. If you put your faith in Jesus, you can be forgiven of your sins and be a citizen of the kingdom. And by that very word, as you heard that, the Spirit of God was doing a miracle in your heart and taking someone who was dead and making them alive. Taking someone whose heart was hard and making their heart soft. Taking someone who was in the dark and turning the lights on. And so, as you heard that word, a miracle was done by the Spirit of God, and what did you do? You reached out and you took hold of the gift that was on offer by faith. Trusting in Jesus to be who He is, to be the loving King who laid down His life for sinners. If you're a Christian, that's your story. God did that for you, working an incredible miracle. Praise God for His incredible grace to you. Praise God for His irresistible grace. Now, I want to point out a few big things for us and then we're going to finish by singing and praising God. This doctrine, this teaching about the irresistible grace God shows us, it clearly shows us that our salvation is entirely from God. If you're a Christian, it's not because you're more cleverer than other people, it's not because you're more spiritual than other people, that you figured it out and you just made a good decision, it's none of that. If you're a Christian, it's because God worked a miracle in your heart and gave you the gift of faith. Are you a Christian? You're only a Christian because of God and His kindness towards you what incredible love you've been shown, sinner that you are, what incredible grace. Now, doesn't that also, uh, doesn't that lift you up, that God has been so gracious and kind towards you, but doesn't it also humble you, uh, that there isn't anything in me that made me special, Uh, there isn't anything like more spiritual or more clever or whatever, there should never be any pride in me about anything that's good in me because I've got nothing. I'm like this and God graciously turned me around. There should never be any pride in us, we would never have chosen God, it's just that He's been so gracious towards us. Which means, guys, that you've, uh, we have been more loved than we could ever comprehend or express in words that God would love us while we were His enemies. There are no words that can capture how great this love is of God toward us. Romans 5, 8, again we read this last night, God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What an incredible gift. Guys, my prayer for you and in the whole lead-up to this and this week is that um, even right now, The Spirit of God is filling your heart with thanksgiving and even using these words to make some of you alive right now. My prayer is that your hearts would be thankful, that your your thankfulness would overflow in the way you sing, in the way you pray, in the way you treat God's Word, in the way that we treat one another, in the way you speak and talk and act because you're someone who's been so undeserving and yet so loved. What an incredible grace we've been shown. How good is it to praise God in our hearts for what He's done? To not be people now who are rebellious against Him. We actually don't want to rebel against God anymore. Sure, we often do, but I, that's not how I want to be towards Him because He's been so good to me. Now, in a second, we're going to be able to sing, we're going to be able to lift our voices and confess together that it's, it's not yet not I, but it's Christ in me who has given me faith. And I want to do that. But finally, I want a quick word to people who have not yet put their trust in Jesus. It's quite, it's possible that even tonight you're feeling God call you. Are you feeling convicted of the fact that, yes, you're a sinner, but God has been so kind to me? And are you feeling yourself wanting to take hold of that gift? It's quite possible that God's making you alive even right now, giving you faith in Jesus. And so, if I want to urge you, if that's, if that's what's going on for you, I want to urge you, put your faith in Jesus, trust in Him for your forgiveness and you'll be forgiven. This is the promise of God for us, this is the gift that God has on offer for all of us. So, put your faith in Jesus, say sorry to God for your sins, Recognise that you have rebelled, but say even now quietly in your your heart, thank you God for Jesus, that He would die for me. Help me now to live for Him, not as a rebel, but as a grateful receiver of Your your grace. Now, I'm going to pray now, I'm going to invite the band up, but as they do that, I'm going to pray and I'm going to pray that kind of prayer where we say, sorry to God for our sins, thank You for this gift, help me now to live for Jesus. If that's something that you've you think's going on for you, you want to put your trust in Jesus, I want to urge you to pray this prayer quietly in your heart now and then we're going to sing and we're going to sing loud and joyfully for what God has done for us. Let's pray. Almighty God, You are our Creator, You are the One who has made us to know You, that we are rebels, Please forgive me for my rebellion and my sin. Thank you that Jesus died in my place. Help me to take hold of this gift on offer, so freely, so kindly. Help me to trust Jesus as my Saviour, who brings forgiveness from now on. Amen. If you've prayed that, can I urge you to tell someone? You can you tell your leader? Um Uh, But for all of us, why don't we stand now and let's sing with great joy for all that God's done for us. All right.